2: Kia ora, nā mihi nui, kia Welcome to Paper Cuts. This is the podcast all about books. We're back in person at the spin-off headquarters, and we've missed you. We've also missed each other, and we've missed Tina, but we're back. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at PaperCutsPod, and you can email us, PaperCutsPod at gmail.com, and on our menu today, we have our usual list of book news, Book reviews, not books, and to-be-read piles. And what is your name? Oh, hello.
0: My name is Jenna Todd. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Louisa Cossa. And I'm Karen Death. Hello.
2: Da 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 da. <laughs> yeah. So book news. We don't have much on our list today, but wait, we could maybe ad lib a little bit, but <laughs> in true paper cuts form, the Book Along list is announced. In a few days' time. (laughs)
0: Yay!
2: We can fill you in
0: next time. (laughs) (laughs) It's really the shortlist that matters. Although, however, the Booker International Prize, the winner for that will be announced on the 26th of um august so we might we might be maybe we could timely like schedule around it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that's <laughs> exciting <laughs> two two exciting
2: things i'm really into the international booker that's over the booker at the moment oh totally yeah, yeah.
1: so much, totally. More, interesting. So after much last, more interesting after last time with the cop out of the
0: drawer oh, let's me. not even <laughs> dignify <laughs> it
2: um so coming up soon, are the New Zealand Children's and Young Adults Book Awards. This is on the twelfth of August, and this year, because of COVID-related things, it is going to be online, and you can watch it um, on YouTube, and you can join their Facebook uh, event, so you can that'll tell you that it's on. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, twelfth of August, six till seven p.m. Very um, swift, and I'm yeah. sure it will be technically sound. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just really looking forward to it because I love I love the these awards and um, there's some really cool ones on the on the long list as well on the finalists. Yeah. So. so yeah, we'll the put, judges great We'll put have done those job. links
1: in our show notes. And yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, also, in, uh, in huge book news, <laughs> Paper Kits Pod goes bi-monthly.
0: Question yeah. mark is bi-monthly the word? Once every two months. Once every two months. Just to be absolutely months, clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not twice a month. No. no. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint <laughs> you. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, we we've just got a lot on, and it's quite hard to get the three of us in one room, yeah. in one place at one time. But we are committed to keep on going. Yeah, of course, and we and it just means that we save up lots more reading um, for you in recommendations, but. We're interested to hear what you think about that. I'm not sure if we'll act on it. (laughs) We can see We'll take your feedback. (laughs) Never. (laughs) We have a new bookstore in New Zealand that has just opened in the last week. It's called Bay Hill Books in Timaru. And... Um, I'm really proud of the owner, Renee Rowland. She owns the Twizel Bookstore, mm-hmm. and she's, she's done it. She's opening a new one that's a lot bigger than um, the Twizel Bookstore. So if you're ever on your, you know, on your road trips on the South Island yeah. in this coming time with closed borders, I'd, i recommend popping in. She's yeah. great
1: for a recommendation. For sure. Isn't there another bookstore opening in Wellington?
0: Yes. Yes, and it's called Good Books. Oh, I love it.
1: Yep, that will be opened
2: by Catherine Robertson, the author, yes. and Jane Arthur. Both friends of the book. We the yeah. love
0: them. <laughs> and it will be in Te Aro. That's so cool. Which is really cool. So I think that's a really positive, good news, post-COVID story that, you know, bookshops, there are new ones reopening, so that's great.
2: What I'm finding with feedback from uh, bookstores, New Zealand bookstores at the moment is that uh people are doing pretty well where there's been yeah. a massive boom and people had a very busy june it'll be interesting to see what the figures are like for july for everyone um but
1: yeah i'm i'm so happy about it everyone's so relieved yeah. mm. kind of stunned mm. <laughs> yeah but um yeah p- please keep us happy by continuing to buy books yeah and um of course especially new zealand books yes
2: all right should we get on to book yeah. reviews so who wants to go first I can go. Yeah, you're first on the the (laughs) list. That's
0: that's how we do it, whoever's first on the list. (laughs) Okay, so the book I've got today is probably one of the best books I've read all year so far. Um, I'm really taken with this book. It's called Notes from an Apocalypse, A Personal Journey to the End of the World and Back, and it's by Mark O'Connell. I interviewed Mark O'Connell, and it is up on the spin-off right now, so we can link to that in the show notes. Um, It's a great interview. And it's a long one, and um, he's he's just fantastic. I love him. Um, so this book was seriously on my radar for months. I've been really looking forward to it, and I actually started reading it at that very anxious um, moment when New Zealand went into alert level four lockdown in response to COVID-19. So it was freighted with a really kind of piercingly uncomfortable but compelling prescience. <laughs> so this is... Um, a Dublin writer, Mark O'Connell, it's his second book. His first one was called To Be a Machine, Adventures Among Cyborgs, Utopians, Hackers, and the Futurists Solving the Modest Problem of Death. <laughs> so, Likes those long subtitles. <laughs> not just long, but funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think you kind of get the vibe. He's got a really sharp wit. But he reckons we're alive in a time of worst-case scenarios, and this is such a thoroughly engaging equal parts terrifying and hilarious work of reportage where he seeks out preppers and preppers are that subculture of people prepping for the end of the world, you know, just trivial things like nuclear attacks, mass civil unrest, meteor impacts and viral pandemics. (laughs) (laughs) The great civilizational crack up. So couldn't be more timely, really. I think... um, This book. I can't think of another book that's been published at such a timely time, (laughs) (laughs) especially with um, COVID having wreaked havoc so dramatically on so many different publishing dates. They've all sort of changed and moved around, but this one sort of came out um, perfectly timed. But anyway, in this book, he travels to Los Angeles and he attends a conference about the colonisation of Mars. (laughs) (laughs) He visits the Chernobyl exclusion zone, he visits people hawking bunkers in South Dakota and he goes to a wilderness reserve in the Scottish Highlands and he comes to New Zealand for a road trip with the... um, Art writer Anthony Burt, the New Zealand writer. so yeah. It's really great. And he sort of investigates why tech billionaires like Peter Thiel are buying up property in New Zealand in anticipation of the civilizational collapse. Um, look, I really loved this book. I loved the New Zealand chapter. I roared with laughter and I was always looking around for people to read bits out to. Um, <laughs> in actual fact, can I read a bit now? Sure. <laughs> okay. Just to give you a bit of um, an idea of the vibe, I can see all my notes. Wow. <laughs> um, so he speaks to a guy who had bought a bunch of kind of prepper food. <laughs> Like this dry, oh, those dry... Those dehydrated. Yeah, like hydrated. those giant, like, huge <laughs> things huge. that you can also use <laughs> as a loo <laughs> once you're done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's so appropriate to this. So he he talks to a guy, and the guy's like, oh, you know, like, I bought I bought up in bulk. This stuff's great. My wife went away for the weekend, and I was <laughs> eating this stuff <laughs> and stockpiling supplies for the apocalyptic scenario. Anyway, so he speaks to this guy who was eating things like um, pasta primavera mix with freeze-dried chicken chunks. Oh, yuck. (laughs) Okay, so this is what Mark writes. I myself find that even reading the words pasta primavera mix with freeze-dried chicken chunks is extremely helpful in clarifying clarifying my own stance on the question. Um... If what is on offer is between pasta primavera mix with freeze-dried chicken chunks and being among the first wave of deaths in the apocalypse, I hereby enthusiastically place my order for oblivion. (laughs) (laughs) And then I actually asked him, when I interviewed him, you can read the interview, um, I said to him, Mark, um, what are the first things that come to mind when I say the words to you? Pasta primavera mixed with freeze dried chicken chunks. And he said, I imagine myself walking into the nuclear rain. Oh. <laughs>
2: chicken chunks just sound like oh. a cat food.
0: Chunks is just uh, not an appetising word. <laughs> no. It's not Unless good. you're a cat. Okay. Yeah, it's not good at all. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic, really. I, I guess he talked about. Um, He writes that if you're interested in the world, then you're interested in New Zealand because we have this kind of perceived stability and remoteness. And so while he's here, he meets up with journalists, writers and artists and... um, Academics and he sort of gets their take on things. But I just really loved his voice. It's really charismatic, really funny, despite its subject matter. Um, it's hilarious. And he has a background in English literature, and you can tell because the book is just so well, wow. it's beautiful writing, really. And it's just a really nuanced work of reportage and travelogue. And I sort of think anyone could read it. Um, it's really entertaining, and I, I reckon it's like listening to or reading your funniest, brainiest friend. Mm. And I really missed his voice when I finished reading the book. I <laughs> oh. wonder if it will be an audio book.
1: Yeah, It would be, be
0: great if yeah. he was reading it. Um, I haven't seen it, but, yeah, it would be cool. Mm. Cool if it was. Um, so I really recommend this book. Right on. It's got a great cover. It's got yeah. a great cover, which kind of sums it up. Show me. It's, um, how would you describe it? Guys? It's like a It's a blonde man reading a newspaper. He looks English. Like <laughs> He, like he <laughs> looks like one of the men
1: from that Pink Floyd album cover.
0: Oh yeah, wish you were here <laughs> with a shaking Yeah, wish head. you were here.
1: <laughs> like he's got that and one of the men's on fire in that yeah. as well, isn't he? Yeah, and then there's a kind of like <laughs> Cubist kind of Aspect to the background, yeah. but it's mainly like billowing clouds and um forests on fire. And he's just Very nonchalantly reading, reading the
0: newspaper while the world is in flames behind him. She was
2: probably quite addictive. a lot of people now would be like on Facebook. I guess it looks quite he looks quite
1: seventies, eh? Yes, yeah, like, yeah. It reminds me of that um apocalyptic film, I think it's called The Day the Earth stood still maybe. Oh, right. Um, very weird English apocalyptic film love I think it. it's great yeah
0: um, and I also read um, Funny Weather Art in a, mm. an Emergency by Olivia Lang oh, but I might, finally, I finally read it um, what a book what a book mm. wonderful book and such a balm and tonic really for times that we are in now, very turbulent uh, very nourishing book and that's by Olivia Lang but I'll talk about it next time. Yeah. Oh that sounds good
2: that actually just arrived on my library today for audio
0: Oh
2: (laughs) while I do the dishes that's what I listen to Thanks, that was awesome. That's made me really want to read it. Thank you. Oh, good. Yeah, you should definitely read it. You can borrow my copy. He's got almost my dad's name. It's quite weird. Ah, Yeah. (laughs) Mark O'Connell. Um, Louisa. Do you want to go? Yes, I'm um, really
1: excited to hear about this oh. review. Okay, so me too. Is, is this got, is this one out in shops yet? Because I'm yes. so confused with it those is. updates. Okay, cool. Yesterday ish. Yeah. It was oh, delayed.
2: It was meant to be April. Oh. That's right. Yeah, and then it was pushed to September, and then it got brought
1: forward to July. <laughs>
0: yeah. We're happy to the have, have it. Are like, What is it? I'll tell you course. later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, again, I will tell you later. So I saw this being passed around the office, and I intercepted it. (laughs) It was not meant to come to me at all, but I was like, I'll I'll take that. So it's a reading copy from my work. It is Death in Her Hands, the new book, Death in Her Hands by Otessa Moschweg. So... This is a reading copy. It's Jonathan Cape. It says publishing 23rd of April 2020,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but instead it's out now, <laughs> as of yesterday. Um, so I am a huge stan of Otessa Moshvig. Mm. Um, I've I think we all are. We mm. all are, yeah. I've got ev- I own, I think, every book that, yeah. she's, that she's published, except for this one. And um, Will that get given back? <laughs> I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Um, so my favourite of her I just want to go into my history with Mm -hmm. her a little bit Mm -hmm. so um, she had a really big hit a couple of years ago with um, My Year of Rest and Relaxation that was when a lot of people I think were turned on to her, Mm -hmm. My Year of Rest and Relaxation was really funny, really acerbic and quite bizarre with it's you know, a woman sleeping through (laughs) a year Um, but my favourite book of um, of hers is Eileen I love Eileen Mm, same And Eileen is set in uh, Maine, I think, and it's very bleak, and it's about a young woman who um, is kind of, it was sort of a subversion of the story where you meet someone who changes your life. Um, So, yeah, Eileen was just, Eileen is one of my favourite books ever. And so Death in Her Hands is, I think, a little bit more in the vein of Eileen than it is. It has that look about it. Yeah. So, um, it follows this woman called Vesta Gull and she is, her husband has recently died. She's middle-aged, and she's living out this fantasy because she has, she's using, she's used the insurance money to buy a house in a really remote rural area, and the property used to be a Girl Scouts camp, and it's, you know, got beautiful woods, and so when we meet her, she's walking through the woods with her dog, who she bought after her husband died, and you know she's just like living her like truth, and you know like doing what she always wanted to do. And she comes across this note on the path, and it's being ha- it's held down with little pebbles. And the note says, "Her name was Magda. Nobody will ever know who killed her. It wasn't me. Here is her dead body." But there's no dead body, so she's like, "What the fuck?" and um, so she, at first, was like, oh, I'll just ignore it. You know, like, other people use these words that don't belong to me. But then she gets quite obsessed with it, and she wants to solve the mystery. So it starts off as this kind of, like, murder mystery, who done it, but with no body. But in classic Otessa Moshfag style, it is kind of, like, wildly tears off from that. So... It's just a subversion of that classic narrative, you know, there's this, there's the fantasy of moving to the country and kind of like getting into your own kind of, into yourself and finding yourself and that doesn't really happen, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's also the narrative of, you know, the classic detective novel where you, you figure out who done it and that may or may not happen or yeah. not in the way that you expect. Can't wait
0: to read it.
1: Oh, it's... it's so I read it when I was on holiday and I was like, I just, I was like, I should
0: get out and get out there and enjoy my holiday and I want to keep reading. <laughs> That's always the way though, yeah. I don't know. I know, like, it's I mean always, yeah. a luxurious treat to read when you're on holiday, it right? It is, it
1: really, really is. Um, so, so yeah, this book, um, again, just like, just like, you know, very on brand because it's, this character is very, she starts off as this, you know, she's this middle-aged lady, you know, and she. it, it sort of eventuates that her marriage was pretty fucked up and that her, hus- her husband was this, like, German-born academic who was very controlling, kind of gaslighting, just kind of a, a jerk in your kind of workaday sort of way. Mm-hmm. And it soon eventuates that Vesta herself is kind of a jerk as well, mm. you know, in that classic way where... In that classic Otessa Moshvague, she's very misanthropic. Mm. Um, so she's moved to this rural area from, like, this suburban idol that she lived with Walter, her husband. Um, Walter. I know, <laughs> such a good name. Naming characters is such an Vista. art. Vesta. <laughs> yeah, and Vesta Gull. Vesta yeah. Gull, sorry. Gull like the seabird, she says wow. at one point in the novel. Um, But was I saying, oh, yeah. So she is quite judgmental of the people in this rural town and, you know, especially the woman. And she kind of talks about, you know, like their sagging ankles and, you know, sort of like really kind of drills down Mm. into their physiology and is is quite dismissive and just really lives an isolated life. She's just got she knows no one. Her only contact with the town is when she starts going to the library to look into this kind of this magda, this mysterious Mm. woman who she becomes obsessed with. Um, So, yeah, she's, she's very acerbic and quite nasty. It's that whole, like, and she's quite an unreliable narrator. So there's so many mysteries at work. It's hard to know, like, which is the real mystery of the heart of the book. Like, is it... Is it what happened to her husband? Is it, you know, what happens to her in the end? You know, there's just, yeah, it's mystery on mystery on mystery. And mm. I am, I've always been, like, a big mystery kind yeah, of crime, like, whodunit person. So, you know, it's, it's right up my street. Um Jenna, I hate I to tell you. Yeah, I already know. Wait,
0: yeah. Okay. <laughs> but tell tell everyone else. <laughs>
1: Dog alert. Dog alert. I've heard. Yeah. Do you think yeah. you'll
0: read it or I
2: so want to. It's just the Yeah, I do want to read it. I will read it. If
0: I know it's coming, it's better yeah
2: I'm really scared from a mistake where I had no idea that was coming
0: and did you like message me and say "Karen, why didn't you tell me yes. about the dog and I was like honestly I completely forgot about the dog I'm just maybe I'm a cold monster it well just- <laughs> you don't really like dogs <laughs> I guess we can we can say that yeah it's true i I actually don't like dogs well I don't like cats that much except
1: for like <laughs> cats that are undeniably great like mittens you know like yeah, and, Pitsy. and middens from and, a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and Eleanor. <laughs> I feel like it's way riskier to admit to not liking cats on a books podcast. <laughs> 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 but that's just me stereotyping. Um, but yeah, I'd be <laughs> interested I'm really I really can't wait for you guys to read the book and let me know what you think. Okay. I was the ending is quite I don't know what exactly happened and that's quite classic of Mm. Otisimoshvig as well Mm, but um, I'd be really keen to hear I'm not exactly sure what happened so Uh, that's quite fun as well it really stays with you cool yeah so that is my review and um Oh, just just love her! What an amazing brain, and just oh, what she's a, so great! What an interesting persona as
0: well. Like if you read interviews with her, she's just so cool. And she reads those um mm. stories on the New Yorker as well. Yeah, and oh, I heard her interviewed, and she's just so kind of singular and yeah. droll, and also kind of a bit of a punk. You know, mm, like she totally. doesn't really care about saying the right thing she or thinking the fuck. right thing. She's quite. Um, strong minded. <laughs> I love it. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's that's me. That's me for oh, this great. For this time.
0: Thank you guys. Thank you so much uh, for that great review. Oh. I'm yeah, I'm not going to be able to resist it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but can tell
1: you what page the <laughs>
2: <laughs> It is already on my dog dying um uh, Spreadsheet.
1: <laughs> Spreadsheet <yes>. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to read it for research. Um, okay, thank you. Thank I was, you. I will review mine now. Um, I guess like the publishing industry is like having this re- in a zeitgeist moment, I guess, with Black Lives Matters books. And it's it's kind of turned into a quite an interesting thing on top of COVID for bookstores, especially in America. Mm. And um, you have titles such as Me and White Supremacy, White Fragility, New Jim Crow, Stamped, Why I'm No Longer Talking to people about, white people about race, um, and there's just been such a high demand for them. And there's this store in um, Boston called Frugal Bookstore. They had 20,000 orders for... Wow. 75% of them were for the same 10 titles. And where are they? Where's that bookshop? They're in Boston. Boston. They're like a tiny bookstore. Yeah, right. So you had these stores... Over, being overwhelmed with orders and publishers overwhelmed and they've had to do reprints and... And that's why New Zealand can't get these yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm getting to, guys. <laughs> not, <laughs> that not that we're bitter. <laughs> but actually, it's all they're all kind of back now. They're all back in the store. But however, so there was this little bit where, you know, lots of things are being talked about and I'm thinking about things and but you can't access the information. But I also, without taking away from that dialogue, have been, like, thinking about mm-hmm. closer to home issues with New Zealand and um, so that long introduction I've just read imagining decolonisation the BWB text Um, so this has got seven authors Bianca Elkington, Moana Jackson, Rebecca Kittle, Ocean Repicker Moussia, Mike Ross, Jenny Smeaton, and Amanda Thomas. And if you haven't come across the BWB text before, they're like short books on um, big subjects from great New Zealand writers. Oh, and, and the packaging
1: is just so cool. So it's good. very
2: great. And um, often they would like print like people's speeches or like a couple of chapters from a book. Or But this is a, this was came from a project that all of these people worked on and I'm saying it without... No, i off the top of my head. It was like a community-led project near Wellington. Um, and so this book came out of that. And it just what I really like about this of when you look at colonisation in New Zealand, um, there's, there is a lot of writing about it, but it's kind of like, it's like quite heavy and long yeah. <laughs> and um, quite intense where this is such a contemporary context. And it's just a really good little like, little bite size into your future journey of looking at that if that's what you want to do. So like some of the essayists, like one uh, woman, she looks at how she decolonised her wedding. I mean, that was a very small part of the essay, but those active things that she did while getting married in this garden with English plants. Mm -hmm. Um, And talking about Facebook and conversations on Facebook, um, discussing quite uncomfortable subjects like Pākehā learning te reo and taking up the room in these free courses for that Māori people could, could be in, or um, practical advice for what to answer to microaggressions. And I guess all the chapters kind of link together with the concept of home, which is um, kind of a basis of tikanga anyway, of yourself and relationships. And it carries right on through. And then it has a lot of literary quotes. we have got Alan Kurnow, Witi Ihiramaere, um, and all of these people are just really smart and they have a really interested, interesting point of view and I just found this bite-sized book was really powerful to me and... What else can I say about it? I just think it's a really important read, and it's so relevant. And it'll just get you, just gets your brain turning. Mm -hmm. I think. Can I ask, um, how did that lady decolonise her wedding? Like, can you think of any examples? Well, like, um, (laughs) she like because they were in this garden that didn't have any native plants, so they they like put um, flax in her her bouquet, and they like put birds sculptures in the garden and she was like yeah but we were coming we're coming in but now we're going to take all of that stuff away and what's going to happen for mm. the next wedding that a lot of throughout their ceremony and yeah it's just it's all these like little simple things but really like simple steps of such a massive mm.
1: idea mm. and I guess the big step is is that awareness that leads to those steps right like yeah, yeah. you know the awareness of the pervading colonial influence
2: yeah, totally. Um, I yeah. So I just I would really recommend it. That, and these are so readily available in New Zealand. They're mm-hmm. only fifteen dollars. And at the same time, I've been reading *Kafai Fai Tonumato: Struggle Without End* by Ranginui Walker. And so it's like quite a nice contemporary balance mm-hmm. to that. And also, I'm just in the beginning of that book, and it's like we're in the we're in the migration stage yes. st- still. So I'm like, it's good to read <laughs> stuff now. Um, yeah. That's was great. Awesome. I'd
0: love to read it after yeah. you. Well, I've finished, so you can oh, just thanks, take that right well, now. And One thing I love about these BWB texts is that they're so slim, but they really do pack a punch. Like, they're full of ideas and full of, you know, like, they're just so invigorating to read. You feel so smart while reading. I know. About- it's, oh, it's, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people pay, what, some people pay 10 $11 for a card, you know, like a greeting card, and you could just... Give someone one of these. Yeah, write a little description. What is the RRP on these books? $15. Oh, sorry, the retail price for those, not in fifteen dollars. Yeah. That is that
1: is really solid. That's oh, so great. You can't you go could, wrong. You could easily pay forty five dollars for something like that.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then I, um, I these are they were on Kim Hill. It was Mike Ross and Amanda Thomas were on Kim Hill a few weeks ago. I can link that in the notes. Mm. Um, and their conversation was really interesting. Amanda comes from a very Interesting point of view to me because she is Pakeha, mm. so and and she's the only Pakeha in this, you know, like non-Maori in this book. So she, mm. and it's kind of writing about how coloni- uh, colonization sucks for everybody. Yes, doesn't yeah. help
0: anybody. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Just thinking about colonization, I asked um, Mark O'Connell um, what he. Can I come back to that? yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I asked him something, and I can't remember what I asked him. Where was I going with this? Oh, I asked him about you know what his um what he loved about New Zealand, and he was just you know what was one of the most memorable things that he sort of thought about his time in New Zealand, and um he just said that what really struck him and what has stayed with him since is that um, this is a country, New Zealand, that sort of seems to take seriously the complexities of our colonial past, and it really impressed him. Um, And that the work of overcoming the wounds of that past, um, that work has started on that. And, you know, he did acknowledge that, obviously, there are major inequalities um, in the country's makeup. But he really did get a sense that those issues are taken seriously. And he did acknowledge that, you know, of course, this is an outsider's view and probably quite simplistic, but that it really made an impression on him.
1: Mm. I mean, I think it's
0: interesting, he being an Irish writer, I mean, Mm. they have really suffered the ill effects of colonisation. Absolutely. And that's one thing I really think about with um, Ireland and New Zealand. I sort of wonder, it's another thing I asked him about, is there some kind of, like... Shared psychogeography, um, you can sort of see it in our literature, in our humor and in the landscape, and totally. um, just that whole kind of system of inequality,
1: yeah, yeah, I, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be back after this break. Hi, sorry to interrupt. We just wanted to talk to you about the Spinoff Members. Recently launched, it's a new program that allows readers to contribute to the future direction of our coverage. We'll regularly survey readers to find out what you care about and want us to cover. And if you donate over $80 annually, you'll get some sweet limited edition merch goodies. Head to thespinoff.co.nz slash members to find out all about it.
0: And Welcome back.
1: Where were we? <laughs> um,
2: we're on to the next thing. Oh, oh, thank you so much for the review, Yes, great please refuge. thank me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. I can't you. Place yeah. in my <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're on our notebooks um notebook stuff. Oh yeah. What have you guys oh, been yeah. doing?
1: Oh, fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first because mine's silly. Okay, I was speaking for myself because, as per usual, I've simply just been watching drag what race a related surprise. things. <laughs> I know. I thought about reviewing something else, but I was like, uh-huh. ah, whatever. May as well get it over with. <laughs> um, I want to speak to someone about it. Um, so. I am reviewing Canada's Drag Race. Um, is that new? It's new, yeah. Is it yeah. on Netflix? It's not on Netflix. Mm. You have to find it. Right. In the mm. wilds of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, yeah, yeah, send me a message.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you need some help with that. Um, no, don't. I don't want to get arrested. Um, <laughs> so, Canada's Drag Race is um, part of the RuPaul's Drag Race franchise, but it is not, it, it's kind of like U- Drag Race UK and that RuPaul doesn't really feature in it. He... He kind of like pops up in video messages from time to time but um, it's actually got three hosts. One of them is Brooklyn Heights who was um, a previous competitor on RuPaul's Drag Race Mm -hmm. um, even though he's Canadian um, but somehow that worked. And then you've got Jeffrey Boyer Chapman from the TV show Unreal, very handsome Mm. um, gay man. And then you have Stacey McKenzie. Yes, I got it. And um she is a like model. She was in the fifth element. She played a um oh, yeah. air stewardess or space stewardess, I guess. And um, <laughs> I Knowledge. <laughs> Such a good movie. So good.
0: Is that Luc Basson? who directed that? I can't
1: remember. But yes, let's go with yes. <laughs> and if we're wrong, someone tell us. <laughs> yeah, and, right, um, us. and um and um Yeah, so um, they're all terrific. I think Brooklyn Heights would naturally be like the head judge, but my personal theory is that RuPaul is hella threatened and is just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to neutralise the threat because Brooklyn Heights is actually doing a terrific job and Mm -hmm. very funny and charming. Um, Yeah, so the whole thing is just, delightful because it's Canadian and Canadians are just wonderful. Um, I really feel like we were saying about the Irish, you know, Mm. we share that kind of, we share a lot of aspects of us, of our national psyche, you know, like the neurotic youngest sibling of a larger neighboring country, you know, in our case, Australia, in their case, the U S and because um, drag race is always really, really heavily saturated with pop culture this is the case in Canada's Drag Race, but they're really leaning into the Canadian thing. So I think the first or second episode, I've watched all three that are available. Um, apparently in Canada, they have these like adorable kind of adverts that are more like um, public broadcasts where they talk about moments in Canadian history, and so, you know, the the task for this show was to, like, recreate a skit that was, you know, extremely camp and stupid, but of these, like, really cute, like, 1990s, like, earnest historical little, um, like, bite-sized kind of docos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, it's just... It's very funny to see them try to have drama because, you know, on the American one, people are always kind of sparking off at each yeah. other and, like, it, it's, it's often quite genuine because the stakes are very high. In this drag race, there were two contestant, contestants so far who have had, like, a mild beef and... They, someone, one of them acknowledged it, and I was like, "Why well, did I didn't see that? I didn't <laughs> notice that you guys were fighting." I think that Canadians might be even more passive aggressive than New Zealanders. Yeah, probably, um, which is insane. They like
2: awkward at concerts,
1: Canadians. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm super enjoying that. It's very delightful. Um, and as a sidebar, I think if you are a drag race fan, then you should already be listening to the podcast Race Chaser, which is helmed by. Two contestants, and um, they've kind of sparked a, a second podcast called The Chop. Um, and that is helmed by Latrice Royale and Manila Luzon, both very famous former contestants on Drag Race. I just watched them. Super charming, right? Um, I tried to watch All Stars and to keep up with the kids, but then <laughs> I
2: accidentally watched the wrong season. <laughs> oh, that's really keeping up with the kids, <laughs> yeah, I, <know>. <laughs> I was it's like, evergreen. yeah, I'm, I'm evergreen. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> but now I've actually caught up, yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, both of those podcasts, you know, Race Chaser and The Chop, they're both. So funny! Like I, I'm constantly laughing during them, and I'm actually Great. really stingy with my laughs. Like I'm like, a, you know, like I like I'm real snobby about what I think is funny. So, but I'm like guffawing like to myself That's when I'm such listening. Such a good
0: endorsement. It's <laughs> <laughs> like my life's goal. Just to make Louisa laugh you know yeah. like, it would just make me feel <laughs> so good <laughs> it's never happened oh, it happens all oh. the time <laughs> it's because we're always
1: crying yeah that's true we always cry when we're together <laughs> and we're very stable and everything's fine <laughs> so yeah that, that's my notebooks. books that's my notebooks. books cool so good oh, thank thanks. you thank you
2: that looks great I love Canadians and I do really like Dre Grace mm.
1: Um, I'm reviewing the Babysitters Club. Did you watch? I'm watching it, but I'm rationing out the episodes because I'm enjoying it so much. I've
0: yes. just watched the first episode, but yeah, I'm on. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Babysitters Club on Netflix, of
2: course. It kind of, as well as going back to our childhood, it also goes back to our paper cuts roots because that was the first quiz we did. When <laughs> we that <our> <laughs> when we were doing our quiz. Hey, segment. who were we?
1: Who were we? I think I, I was remember. Claudia. I can't remember who I was. Someone was Christy, I oh, think. I mean, was I was maid. Christy. <laughs> you, <laughs> you were, were Christy? Yeah, of course I was Christy. <laughs> I think I was Marianne. I <laughs> <laughs> we can go back and have a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's check the records.
2: It's very scientific. <laughs> very scientific. If you haven't come across it yet, I'd highly recommend it. It is a TV show for children, but that does not matter. <laughs> um, it's, there's 10 episodes and they follow the first... I think it's the first nine books and then the special, no, the first eight books and then two episodes are of the special edition, the, like, holiday edition. Oh, yeah, those are good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so what I really like about the Babysitter's Club, and I'm just assuming everyone knows what we're talking about, and if you don't, sucks to be you. Um, (laughs) So sassy. Sassy. It's it's so contemporary while well staying true to the roots of the, like, 90s-ness of the series. And what I've read about the costume designers is that they, like, really tried to do the costumes around the 90s covers. But, oh, they totally um, are. But it, things are kind of are coming back as well, <laughs> yeah. like... Christie's outfits of a skivvy, her normal someone called her it's normcore, normcore. It's very normal. and they and they were calling her Normcore for <laughs> show.
1: Um, but it, it kind of works. Like I see people dressing like that. It's got a very timeless like look and look to it with all the with the kind of like
0: a sort of eighties nineties now blend. In yeah, their kind of a eh? kind of, but kind of not. Like <laughs> I mean, timeless in that it's kind of come round, but yeah, you know, it's yeah. that pale. Denim and kind of pastel pastel sweatshirt, sorbet coloured sweatshirt, yeah, and um, white socks and white sneakers, and oh, they, very baggy. They look so great, and so good. Um, They're way
1: way better dressed than me. These teens, these tweens, are the same. It's so rude. Me too. How dare they? Yeah. And but they've
2: kept so much the same. So like Louis mm-hmm. the dog looks exactly like the dog on the covers but when I saw the Pike family I was just like oh my
1: god they're just so
2: cute um I kind of remembered how annoying I found Christy she's such, yeah,
0: so she is such a so really annoying and I always my best friend I always yeah. forget about her as well like yeah. I feel like oh what one is she again <laughs> and just with the stuff with her,
2: her, her, her mom getting married and stuff I'm like get over it, come on, Mimi.
0: Oh, Mimi, back yes, I saw Mimi. So great, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, she was always in the kitchen making tea in the book. Yeah, Aww. oh, so good. That's um, the grandmother. Special yeah.
1: mention of Alicia Silverstone oh, as, as Christie's mum. She's so good. She's really tallest. good. She's great. And so I guess what it is like
2: really woke. And like <laughs> Claud- out. Claudia was making this artwork based on her men- menstruations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um one thing I have noticed again, like they they have the like phone you know, it's like how do they do it with the phone? They she bought a phone off eBay and they still sit in the room together. <laughs> have a Because <band> <laughs> you think they would just have a chat group now, but we've that would be it wouldn't be as good. No. But um, <laughs> yeah. um you can tell the people that have made it and produce it were fans of the books when you look at the movie of the 90s that's made by adults putting their ideas of the babysitters club yeah. where this is just true fans you can and tell
0: they so people who grew authentic. up wanting
1: to be in the babysitters yep. club definitely which we all did
0: which we all did I wrote,
1: I wrote to Anne M. Yep. Martin I, thought oh, the, I <laughs> told the story on the first <laughs> part I was like please put me on one of your
2: books <laughs> yeah that's right um, two complaints well Karen Brew does not have glasses and I find that really jarring and alarming. Oh. Um, I just don't feel like she's like got the sass and the personality, but she's not as kind of like dorky as Karen, I think. And they never talk about their age, which is in the books. Mm. They're like, I'm thirteen. We're 13. Jesse and Mallory are 11. And maybe that's to do with legal babysitting ages. Maybe it's it is. <laughs> it's a bit, bit grey. Because um, you couldn't do that here. You'd yeah. have to be 14. Yeah. Um, another thing that I watched uh, a few days ago, there's actually a Claudia Kishi Club documentary. Ah. So it's like half an hour long. And it's like made by the same people and everything. And it's looking at what an important figure she was in Mm. contemporary culture, especially for Asian Mm. women, Mm. creative Asian women, for role models. And that was very heartwarming as well. It was really cute. Um, And it had all these people on it that are like, now I'm the... um, I watch Claudia Kishi, and now I um, write the comics for The Babysitter's Club, and now I'm a producer on The Babysitter's Club. That is lovely. It's just really good. Um, Highly, highly
0: recommended. I tried to be like Claudia Kishi. I think I told you guys this when we did the quiz. And I loved her so much. And thought, wow, she's really cool. You know how she hid candy bars and sweets <laughs> around her room. And I got, like, I think I got a bounty bar, a crunchy bar, and maybe a pinky, three novelty bars. And I hid them around my room, and I just ate them all yeah. in one day. <laughs> <laughs> with it inside her so, Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, in a hollowed out book. Have you, Did you read the Babysitter's Club, Tina? Oh. Oh, she's too young. She's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. Oh, you can just watch the show.
2: Yeah, probably watch the no show. need to read it's the so books. Good. I mean, I don't
1: think the writing is like totally great for adults of the
0: books. Well, that's yeah, that's what I need. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you never need to read chapter two once you've read it once. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching.
0: Yay! I can't wait to watch the rest of it. <laughs> <thing.
2: laughs> <laughs> Is that your... That's not So now we're on to our to-be-read piles around the home oh, stretch, hasn't guys. hasn't done
1: her not uh, Excuse me. Oh, my God, I'm sorry, because you <laughs> did go first.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, you <Yeah. laughs> all. It's out of order. How so rude. Sorry to throw you.
0: Um anyway. I definitely <laughs> want to hear about what you've been doing. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> so my not books is the film The Last Picture Show, which is um, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Have you guys seen it? No. Oh, it's oh, so good. Um, So I was prompted to re-watch it, um, um, watch this amazing film, after listening to the new Polly Platt podcast series on Karina Longworth's You Must Remember This, which is a podcast I've talked about um, before. And so this is a series about Polly Platt, the invisible woman. And she was a producer, writer, and Oscar-nominated production designer in film. And her husband and creative collaborator was, um, of course, the much better known Peter Bogdanovich, um, which is always the way in, yeah. Holly, in Hollywood. Uh, you say he's much better known, but I still don't know oh. anything about him. <laughs> well, you're not a film Damn. person. <laughs> quick, quick primer, please, <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the dum-dums in the I Oh, no, so anyway, <laughs> he directed this film, and he directed another film called Paper Moon, which starred Tatum O'Neill as, um, like, a young... She was, like, 14 or something, and... I think it won an Oscar. I've heard of this Did she get
2: nominated for an Oscar as a child? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay. So anyway, he was very much a kind of very serious film guy. He wrote about film, very tweedy, kind of an auteur, I guess. And um, he had an affair with a very young Sybil Shepard while shooting this film, um, The Last Picture Show. And this is the film that launched both of their careers, Bogdanovich and Sybil Shepard's. Um, Anyway, the film is based on a really gorgeous novel um, from 1966 called The Last Picture Show by Larry McMurtry, and it's um, a gorgeous novel, and it's a coming-of-age story, and it's set in a small, dusty, nowheresville, lonely town in Texas in the 1950s, and it's shot in black and white, so it's really ravishing to look at, and it's very kind of sultry and melancholy and lonely and All through it, it's got the music of Hank Williams, Mm. which is just so great. And it's about these high school kids. um, And one is dating the prettiest girl in town. Um, She's... Her name's JC, and she's played by Sybil Shepherd. She's, she's very, so beautiful. So beautiful, very icy, and her character is horrible. <laughs> like, she's just mm-hmm. awful. And the other guy is having an affair with a lonely older woman who's married to the high school football coach who is, um, like, homosexual. Mm. we only kind of find that out later. Anyway, it's filled with this brilliant ensemble cast on the sidelines, and they all weave into the narrative, and there's this backdrop of the Korean War. Anyway, so Polly Platt, she wasn't really credited for much on the film. She might have like a, just a kind of incidental credit, but she was responsible for pretty much everything, um... You know, most people would give credit to Bogdanovich for this film, but she did everything, man. She was the one who found the novel. Um, He didn't even know what it was. And she told an unconvinced Bogdanovich to make the film. She drew these really complex floor plans so he knew how to frame every shot. And it is beautiful, this film. She was responsible for the casting. She found Sybil Shepard. I think she saw her in a magazine, and she did all the hair and makeup on the film herself because they had no money. She made the costumes. Wow! um, If you look at the film, it's got a really kind of, um, like the Babysitter's Club, kind of like a really timeless, placeless look. Mm. Like the outfits kind of look like they could be from now, or the 50s, or any time, and she the film has an amazing look it's really kind of realist and it's not stylized it's just so great really evocative and um anyway she was really committed to making this film but she found out oh she was also had just given birth to their child and um Basically, found out he was having this affair with Sybil Shepherd on set while she was like pretty much still bleeding after giving birth. Oh my God. Aye, aye, aye. And she thought, look, I'm committed to this project. And she boxed on with it and um, made this film. And I sort of think, oh, you know, that sadness is really infused into this film. Mm-hmm. Um, It's sensational. It's such a classic, really iconic, um, really, really beautiful. And um, it's a film that wouldn't have happened without Polly Platt, so I really like that. Listening to that podcast, um, the series on You Must Remember This about her life, and she had an amazing, crazy life, um, and then kind of re-watching the film, kind of through a new lens, but I really recommend the podcast and the film. Cool. Yeah. Oh, look... And the book. Sounds great. Yeah. Oh, and the,
1: and the novel that it was based on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of film things, I just wanted to let you know, Karen, that I read um, Kenneth Anger's Hollywood Babylon oh during Oh my gosh, amazing. In, in approximately two hours. Isn't it just
0: the Fuck, juiciest, Oh good. Jenny, wildest. Jenny,
1: have you read it? You've got have to. Have we talked
2: about this all? we're we talking
1: about it at dinner? I think we have talked about it maybe on the pod because um, maybe you, when you talked about... Karina Longworth's podcast yes. about uh, yeah. this book. Yeah, um, Jenny, you've got to read it because okay. um, it's incredible. It's so juicy for those who love gossip. This is yeah. like the I book. Like gossip. Yeah, <laughs> and it's there. got we photos. Got it. You know, oh, like, it's, it's, just, so
0: oh, it's, it's so, a, it's so good. It's really
1: beautifully produced. I love how yeah. like full of black and white photos mm-hmm. um, mm. running with the text that it is. Yeah,
0: so I kind of feel like this podcast. You must remember this is kind of like a podcast version of that book but kind of putting less right trashy, though. Some of the, yeah yeah like she's kind of addressing some of the things that he took liberties with but Hollywood Babylon is so good oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so I'm I'm learning. Yay. I watched Sunset Boulevard during that oh, time as well. Great. Oh.
1: Baby's growing. You'll have to you'll have to take me in hand, Karen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> give me give me a required that, watching that list. That can be done, no sweat. Yay. Yeah, I'd love that. Honestly. I would love to do that too. Ooh. Yeah,
2: I'm still um, reading this website that Sinead Gleason told me about called ACG Gossip. That's right. It's this like <laughs> real like blind item, really like plain website but I recommend it but it's so juicy. <laughs> Sorry you know, for the hardcore gossip fans.
0: I reckon. And I just love
1: how Sinead was just like yeah this is the best website ever yeah. and it's so she old school. She gave us some shocking goss from that I recall uh, which I won't say on the stage.
0: I'm still
2: haunted Yeah, we yeah. Yeah. can't. Yeah. They they talk about it on, on there but um, it's so old school because it means that people can't like crack into it to find who's releasing yeah. these items. I love highly it. I recommend, highly recommended. Yeah. just before you go to sleep and you just want to look at one more thing on the <laughs> internet. That would be it. Instead
0: of the death scroll of Instagram yeah. or Twitter, have a look at yeah, yeah, yeah. some wholesome guts. <laughs> I'm going to try that tonight. Yeah. Uh, there'll
2: be lots about Kanye and Kim, I reckon, this week. Yeah. So that's my... Um,
0: my notebooks. Thank you, Karen. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And sorry for the digression. <laughs> no, it was great. It's all related. Yeah. yeah. So we're on to our TBR piles, eh? Yeah. Yeah. You want to go first? You want to roll oh, on? Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Um, hey, so I'm halfway through this book. Um, Jenna, I think you should maybe check it out. Oh, uh, Korean. Something um up your alley. It's called The Disaster Tourist, and it's by Yeon Quinn. Is that how I say it? Yoon Kolin, Yeah, it's published by Serpent's Tale. And it's really great. It's um, translated from Korean. And it's almost like a companion piece to Notes from an Apocalypse, in a way, because it's sort of an eco-thriller of sorts. And um, I guess it kind of comments on living under capitalism. And it's about a young woman um, named Yona, and she works for a travel company in Seoul, where they put together package holidays where the destinations are disaster zones. (laughs) So, you know, travellers holiday in places that have been wrecked by tsunamis or volcanoes. And an incident happens at her work where a senior colleague um, inappropriately touches her in a lift and she tries to complain and to silence her, the company gives her a free ticket and sends her off on a holiday package to one of their most sought after mm-hmm. destinations. It's the island of Mui along Vietnam. And it's plagued by sinkholes. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that was we- so good. <laughs> <laughs> but then we find out that the company's actually trying to fabricate and invent and make up environmental disasters. Um, what? Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty it weird, bizarre, it's, but awesome. It's so great. Um, it's really funny. I'm really liking it. Really smart. Really funny. Real easy read. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you, does it like she looks like, like she wants to, to, yeah, looks yeah, like she yeah. to grab it out of your hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real good. So I'll finish that and I'll, I'll pass it on to you. Um, oh, I
2: just love these Korean ladies. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: real great. Hell yeah. Um, and I've just got with thanks to Wellington's Lawrence and Gibson Publishing in Wellington, Sprigs, which mm. is the new... Um, I'm dying to read that. ...much-anticipated novel by Brenna van Janelingen, um, which I'm really excited about. I've started reading it, and it's... Oh, I just know it's going to be amazing. Um, Claire maybe from Verb Wellington was messaging me over lockdown mm-hmm. and just saying... Far out man, like she just couldn't stop thinking about this book and it's just Mm. one of the best things that she's read in a long time and we're quite um, parallel in our reading Mm. so I really trust her and there was a really great profile um, of Branavan in Stuff, on Stuff, a profile written by Brit Mann, and it was just such a great interview. So maybe we should link to that because it yeah. was really awesome. Um, on my notes. Yeah, written with real care and um, great insight. But I think this is a novel that just goes deep into toxic masculinity in kind of private high schools in New Zealand. It's a terrifying cover. Uh, yeah, it, You it wouldn't is. want to be the only person. With the, that crowd, oh yeah, that kind of makes me feel a bit sick mm. thinking about it. Yeah, you, I hadn't even thought of that. It, what you're saying
1: reminds me of another Paper Cuts fave.
0: Oh, I know, go the Lazy Boys. The Lazy Boys by Carl Shuker. Another a brilliant mind and writer. Do you Love think? Him. Do you think it's it's similar to
1: read or or no, is it, it more just has, shares themes?
0: Quite different, but you know. A great thing for writers to be investigating in New Zealand, I think. Definitely. Um, So, yeah, I think this will do good things. And another book I've got to read is Sing Backwards and Weep. Um, I love a good rock bio, a good juicy one. And this one is great so far. And this one's published by a new imprint for Orion called White Rabbit Books. And that's founded by... Lee Braxton, who is one of my favourite publishers, I love what he does. He was from Faber Social, and so this is his new thing. And this memoir has a big, fat endorsement from Scottish crime writer Ian Rankin. And he says, It's raw, ravaged and personal, stoned-cold classic. Ian Rankin's a bit of a cool dude, eh? He's so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I love Um, him. For for those who don't know, Mark Lanigan. Oh, so Mark Lanigan um, was in a kind of grunge band called um, Screaming Trees. Mm. Um, So kind of part of that Seattle kind of moment in the mid-80s onwards. And... um, yeah, I mean, this kind of charts his fall from grace as a low-level crack dealer and homeless heroin addict. But he's kind of collaborated with Isabel Campbell from Bell and Sebastian. And um, <coughs> the name Mark Lanigan is familiar to me, but not yeah. actually that band. Oh, he's, like, he's so amazing. Yeah. 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 So that is, I'm looking forward to reading that, really juicy so far and quite grubby. Mm, and nice. another book that I've started um, reading is this beautiful book which matches my manicure it's oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i
2: love your manicure too yeah me too uh, i've Thank been you. meaning to
0: say not my usual read um dance prone by david coventry published by victoria university press um yeah uh, who's the, whose name is that on the back Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> no, underneath that, It says Karen Daff. It does say Karen Daff, yeah. yeah. I did a little blurb for the back. Yay. And they've also used this quote from me on the inside. Um, David was telling me that Picador UK can't get enough of this quote and it's... <laughs> which cracks me up so much because it's where I say it almost makes other writers look like they're just mucking around. Mm. That's a really good yeah. quote. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading this. Rereading it. Rereading yes. it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Reread it in its finished form. Mm, cool. Thanks.
1: Louisa? Yes. Um, so, I... I don't know if I should talk about this book because I could keep talking about it for hours. Ooh. I finished it. The Piano Teacher by <gasps> Alfreda Jelinek.
0: I love that book. Oh, my and God. And the film. No, I
1: haven't seen the film, uh, but I'm looking forward to watching that this weekend. It's, it's got Isabelle Huppert in it, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, The Piano Teacher by Alfreda Jelinek it came out in the 80s, I believe, um, set in Vienna, written by a Viennese writer, about a repressed piano teacher who lives with her domineering mother, and she kind of... tries to embark on an affair with a student and it just does not go well (laughs) and it's so good it's just like yeah I read it in of a a morning of a a Saturday morning oh nice and um you know like that was my day gone (laughs) but it was worth it um so yeah I won't say more than that I could go on and on um I recently also finished the audiobook of The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K Le Guin. Oh cool. Um have you guys read that? No. I haven't. It's it's, no. it's it's fascinating um because it you know it's it's a uh, multiple worlds um like setup and in the society that our protagonist is visiting this this planet um, the people on it are um, I guess you'd say androgynous, and they only kind of take on a dominantly male or female um, gender when it is time for them to have sex <laughs> when, you know when it you know they're kind of like a different creature in that you know they're not always they don't just have sex all the time mm-hmm. like humans on other they're humans, but they're just different to humans on other planets mm-hmm. so yeah, that was a, And a a beautiful and moving story. And I was also on holiday... Um, and doing tramps in the snow, which was super cool. Wow! And these characters go on this epic journey through the snow, so oh. that was really really cool. I didn't listen to the podcast as I was tramping. I oh, don't think your partner would ask. have liked that. I, I, was, like,
2: I was definitely going <laughs> to talk ask about that not being yeah. present. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, that's
1: not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I already like pushed the limits of how much I can like listen to like podcasts <laughs> and stuff when I'm like in society. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was terrific, and I had. Just started um, another novel by a Korean woman, *Pachinko* by Min, mm. Min Jin Lee. Um, have, have you read that, Jenna? Yeah, Anna. I really liked it. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's like an intergenerational family saga of these people who move from Korea to Japan. It's just—it's so immediately engaging mm. and just this this really rich world. And actually. I have been reading a lot of um, Korean books lately. Hmm. Um, I think I read an article in The Guardian and that just got, and it kind of like name-checked yeah. all these Korean books and I just got them all out from the library. Well, you
0: should read this one too.
1: The I would love tourist. to. I especially love the ones that are set in in like kind of like snowy Korea. Mm, oh, like Winter and Sokcho. Yes, I just read that. <gasps> oh, did you like it?
2: I, I loved it. I really like that too. Yeah, that was really great. And I must say, I just read this amazing book on recommendation from Pip Adam called Untold. Night, night and day, or Untold day and that night. I read recently too. Oh, Wasn't that book amazing? Oh my god. So you good. you really would love it, Karen, it. as well. I yeah. loved that book. It was so, amazing. It was
1: so surreal and shadowy and, and atmospheric. And like, you would read it. You'd be like, hang on, have I just read this bit? And you're like, I have just read this bit. And then it's wow. all like, kind of glitchy. It had this like recursive, yeah, glitchy. It reminded me of that anime film, Perfect Blue, which is terrific. Wow. Um, it has like a, a similarly like glitchy recursive narrative where you get to the point where you don't know what the fuck is going on.
2: Oh, that's so good. My last review on BFM, I just did three Korean. Women books because I just yeah. would like I just need to link them all together because there's such great stuff coming out. They're always yeah. really short, which was very um, great for it's a busy reader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good. Shinko
1: is long. Yeah, that is long. Um, I didn't bring it because so like, I'm not going to look that around all day. Yeah, <laughs> I read that on the plane. That was a good plane read for me. Um, And just one more on my list, which I've just, like, I've been glancing at and I've been, like, saving it. Mm. Um, Notes for Native Son, essays by James Mm. Baldwin. Um, You know, again, in context of all that's happening Mm -hmm. with Black Lives Matter, um, a really important thinker of the, I guess, Harlem Renaissance. And, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And it's so funny because I um, recently... Um, my work published um, Wishy Hemida's mm. me- memoir *Native Son*. Mm. <laughs> I like looked. I got looked at this book and I was like, ah, *Native Son*. Yes. And then I opened the book and there was another quote that um, I won't say what it is, but it's the title of a forthcoming book. <laughs> so it's you know people obviously just mind James Baldwin's yeah. work because yeah. it's it's just wonderful. Mm. Yeah.
0: Have oh, you guys cool. seen the documentary? I'm really keen to watch it. No. I Am Not Your Negro. I've watched that. Have you seen it? Yeah. yeah it's, it's on a, Netflix, eh? I watched it on a plane. Oh, yeah. Is it yeah. good? Yeah, I loved it. Oh, great. I watched it ages ago. Has it been out for a while? It's been out for a while. Yeah. I think it was in the film festival yeah. a year or two ago. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'll check that out. Your cool. Turn, your turn, Jenna. Thanks. Don't forget yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <Zim>. um. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, okay, I've just got two books, but one kind of talks about a different book. Where are my notes? Excuse me. I'm all mixed up. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, I just read this book recently called My Autobiography of Carson McCullough's by Jen Shaplin. That was published by Tin House Books. And that is, um, it's like a series of vignettes exploring Shaplin's research into Carson McCullers and then also kind of justifying her as a queer author because it, that part of of her is sort of erased from like the general history of her. Um, so she uses archive materials, just letters and her clothing, and she stays in her childhood home and she visits the Yado artist retreats, um, just to kind of piece that together. All the while looking at her own identity as a, a queer woman. And um, Carson McCullough's had a lot of illness over her life, and Jen Chaplin has also had illness in her life. So there's a lot of cross linking. It was like really easy to read. Um, really reminds me in, t- in format of In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Mm. Just very, just those like little snippy bits. Um, it was really smart. And, and um, one of the books that she speaks a lot about is called The Member of the Wedding. Which she believes is like her she believes that the the way that the book is described is really not what the book is, and it's really like a queer novel. Mm. Um and it's about a young girl who becomes really obsessed, um her brother's older brothers getting married, and she gets really obsessed and into the wedding. Party and like gets uh, but um, Jen kind of talks about how it's because she's in love with the bride mm. um, but she's like the kid it's like a kid like she's 12 the main character is 12 oh. um, so yeah I haven't started reading it Ooh. at all um, but I think it sounds really interesting and I'm looking forward to reading it um, it, it was amazing. a it was a play and it was a movie um, and it came out in 1946 so I'm um, really I just love when you read things and it leads you on to something else love it's the fit. best part of
1: reading eh? Um. Cool.
2: One of my new favourite authors um, is releasing a new book in September. It's called What Are You Going Through? And she is Sigrid Nunez. She wrote... One of my favourite books that does have a dog in it, called The Friend. (laughs) But um, it's, and she also wrote this really great book called The Last of Her Kind. Um, And so I guess what Sigrid Nunes does is well, this book is about a woman who visits her friend who's dying of cancer and her friend um, who wants to end her life on her own terms, euthanasia, very. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. topical, um, and she asks for help with this woman. But what she does in The Friend, as well, less so in The Last of Her Kind, is that she really just goes off on lots of tangents, and it's just she's just looking at the world around her as an older. Older woman, and I always feel like she is so on top of everything that's happening. And like, the Last of Her Kind came out last year, but that was republished from yeah. 2006, okay. I think. And there's a new one that also that's come out this year. That was re- first published in 2010, called Salvation City, which is about a flu pandemic. The Last of Her Kind is about um, white privilege. It's it's about a white woman who kills a policeman. It's so. Um, prescient right mm. now, and she did, and on page eleven, um, she talks about things that could be happening, and she says um, cyber terrorism bioterrorism, the inevitable next great flu pandemic. So crazy. Anyway, I didn't know if they put this in before while all this was happening because I've just got a reading copy, right? Um, so I'm halfway through. I just find you so funny, cool, like dry, dry, dry humor, and yeah, it was just awesome. I want to it read it. It is awesome. And I, so, this, yeah, I think, Karen, this is going to be your first Sigrid. Yes. I still need to read Sigrid. Um, oh, she's great. Put her on my library
1: list. Yes.
2: So, yeah, though, that's what I've been reading at the moment and Pip Adams on my little bedside table as well. Yay. But, yeah, good stuff coming out, eh? Because everything's oh, yeah. been delayed.
1: It's like a it's, tsunami. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <a> rush of... <laughs> um, it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> and there's new Elena Ferrante coming oh, too. Yeah. And, and, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all coming. Um... But yeah, thank you so much for bearing with us, guys, and and um, we haven't you haven't heard from us for a while, so we hope you enjoy us in your ears again. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for sticking around. Yeah, sticking around, and thank you to Tina. Tina, you're so awesome. And I just can't find the rest of my notes. Sorry. I mean, it's just the What's whole, the rest like, of it?
1: feel free to to um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, please rate us. It helps people find us. Yes. Um, please share with your yeah. friends if you can. Like, don't make it weird, but, you know, just, like, point, point them to us. If, yeah. If they like books and they like talking about books. And, and they're a podcast person. Yeah. 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 Share it. Share it on your social media. It really helps. Um, exactly. And feel free to interact with us on Instagram, Twitter and email. Papercuts pod across all of those platforms. You can't avoid us. Exactly. We're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> if only that were true. But one day.
2: <laughs> Kakite, everyone. Kakite. Ka